is an Odyssey original. And uh, we're going to start the KNX in depth a little bit early because uh, we want to have a discussion with uh, Congressman Adam Schiff because today history was made uh, in the uh, Capitol. In fact, history was made uh, in the United States. The January 6th committee uh, took the never-before action of referring a former president to the Justice Department for criminal charges. The committee saying that former President Trump should face prosecution on the charges of insurrection, the obstruction of an official proceeding of Congress, knowingly and willfully making materially false statements to the federal government, and conspiracy to defraud the U.S., so, again, welcome to a special edition of KNX In-Depth, along with Rob Archer. I'm Charles Feldman, and joining us now is uh, Congressman Adam Schiff, Burbank Democratic Congressman Adam Schiff. Congressman, thank you for being with us. So this was, a, as I said, uh, a very historic day, not just for Congress, of course, but a, a historic day for the country, and I suspect also really a sad one as well. So I'd like you to address that a bit, please. Uh, sure. You're, I think you're absolutely right. Uh, it is a historic, unprecedented even for Congress to find that a former president has uh, violated the law and committed, in fact, multiple criminal offenses and to refer those to the Justice Department. And it is a sad day. Uh, it's something that we do, I think, solemnly uh, knowing uh, the import of what we've gone about. But we followed the evidence where it led, as was our commitment from the very beginning. And that evidence led to Donald Trump. Uh, he engaged in multiple efforts to overturn the presidential election. Uh, he knew he lost it. Uh, he knew that uh, his claims of fraud were uh, bogus. He was told that by his own attorney general and deputy attorney general and others on his campaign team, the White House counsel. And nonetheless, he continued to push these bogus claims of fraud, uh, made submissions in court and pressured state legislators, uh, pressured his own vice president and ultimately incited a mob to attack the Capitol and further interrupt the peaceful transfer of power. And those unique and tragic circumstances warranted the unprecedented step of referring him to the department for potential prosecution. Now, this is uh, in the hands of the Justice Department. But let me ask you, what do you think will happen? And we don't know what the Justice Department's decision is going to be. At least at least we don't publicly know. Uh, what do you think will happen and what will it mean if the Department of Justice looks at this and says, you know what? He's a candidate for president. This is just too unprecedented. We cannot do anything about this right now. Uh, what would be uh, what would be the result of that? Well, I think first it would betray a commitment that the attorney general made, which is that he would follow the evidence wherever it led, that there would be only one rule of law and one standard uh, in applying that law. There wouldn't be a separate standard for former presidents or anyone else. Uh, so it would be contradictory of what he uh, committed at the outset. But more importantly, uh, it would be dangerous, I think, to the republic to establish a precedent that presidents can commit crimes and they won't be held accountable because it would be too controversial or too unprecedented or too disruptive. Uh, there's nothing more dangerous, I think, and I think the founders would have believed than to give presidents the idea that they are operating above the law. Uh, so I, I don't think that's a step that uh, the country can afford to take. I think the Justice Department needs to do its job uh, and analyze the evidence that we've submitted and that they've gathered. If that evidence uh, meets the legal standard, then he should be charged like anyone else would be. The uh, vote 
to make these referrals, of course, it was, as you know, unanimous. But I am curious, behind the scenes, to what degree was there some misgivings? Was there any uh, any member of the, or members of the committee that perhaps were a bit reluctant to take what, as we've said now repeatedly, uh, was clearly uh, something that is going to go down in the books as, as historic? Uh, there was a very high degree of consensus, uh, not only that we should make coronal referrals, but what those referrals ought to be. Uh, you know, there were other parts of the report that we would debate, and we would wordsmith the report and the language. Here, uh, we very quickly came to consensus. Uh, we just think the evidence is that compelling. Uh, the statutes are very on point. Uh, and so this, frankly, getting to agreement on this was not very difficult. Now, the uh, criminal recommendations for uh, former President Trump and uh, John Eastman, uh, tell us a little bit about uh, the recommendation about Kevin McCarthy, uh, because uh, Kevin McCarthy may be the next Speaker of the House. He has already made a lot of waves that uh, he's going to come after you and remove you from your committees. Uh, what is the upshot of the uh, ethics investigation, the ethics questions about Kevin McCarthy, and what do you think is going to happen with this? Well, what we did with the members of Congress, with several of the members of Congress, including Mr. McCarthy, who were subpoenaed, who had relevant uh, information in Mr. McCarthy's case, uh, direct conversations with Donald Trump uh, on the day of the insurrection and thereafter. Uh, so clearly evidence that would have been useful to the American people and to our committee. He was subpoenaed. He refused to show up, as did others. And we decided that the proper remedy for members of Congress who violate their oath of office uh, or ignore a lawful subpoena and a valid investigation is they should be referred to the Ethics Committee. That is, we should we should police our own rather than seek to have the Justice Department or some other agency do it. Uh, so he's been referred to the Ethics Committee. Uh, now, uh, that committee uh, probably won't have much opportunity to examine this until the next session, but the Ethics Committee is one that's equally divided between the parties. Uh, and I hope that they take these referrals seriously and will look into uh, why he had relevant evidence uh, and uh, and the precedent that he is setting and others by their willful failure to comply. You know, at the beginning of these proceedings, what, 18 months ago, uh, I remember people, critics, uh, both for and against the proceedings, saying that in the end, it's not going to change the minds of those who uh, thought all along that, that former President Trump committed crimes, and it was not going to change the minds of, of his base who think, uh, as does the former president, when he says it's all a, a witch hunt, that this is really aimed at the middle ground, the, the people who have not yet made up their minds. And um, But I don't know if that's true or not, but what I want you to do, if you can, is Speak to our listeners, those who are in the camp and have been in the camp for the past 18 months, that uh, this was uh, a biased uh, attack on somebody uh, who they perceive as being almost heroic, Donald Trump. Uh, what can you say to them to convince them otherwise, or is it impossible at this point to do that? You know, what I would say to them is take a look at the evidence, read the report. Uh, you can dismiss it, if you will, but, but at least 
acquaint yourself with the evidence. Uh, watch a replay of the hearing today that, or even the video that we played uh, at the beginning of the hearing with just a small sample of the evidence. These are fellow Republicans. These are top appointees of Donald Trump himself. Um, is it possible that they're all part of some grand conspiracy or, or is the simplest explanation the right one, which is they came in and they told the truth. Uh, they reached a point where they could no longer go along with this corrupt president. Uh, so I would encourage them to look at the evidence. If they won't look at the evidence, uh, then there's not much that can be done. But frankly, our presentations uh, for the American people were really designed to reach people with an open mind. Uh, if people don't have an open mind, there's not much you can do about it. Let's talk about the near future for a minute. The next Congress is coming in. Uh, uh, Kevin McCarthy may be the Speaker of the House. Uh, at this point, that's kind of up in the air. We, we're not sure, but it's looking like that's going to be the case. Marjorie Taylor Greene is going to have a, a lot of say and a lot of sway over the next uh, 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 moves that the Republican uh, House is going to make. So... As the uh, House Republicans take over and some of them promising to investigate you and investigate the January 6th committee uh, for some kind of cover up that your committee has apparently, in their view, done, uh, will you comply with subpoenas that they issue, even if you feel that, you know, what they're doing is totally uh, is, is is over the line and, and not valid? Will you still comply with any subpoenas they might issue to you to testify? You know, my strong uh, presumption is to comply with a lawful subpoena. Um, you know, I would need to evaluate, is this a completely uh, bogus, uh, you know, uh, unprecedented, unsubstantiated investigation, or is this some uh, meritorious investigation? Uh, believe me, if I were involved in some kind of an insurrection, uh, I would feel an obligation, or if I had information about it, an obligation to come forward. Uh, it's another thing if there's something done just for the purpose of harassment. So, I, you know, I will evaluate the facts as they come. But but look, I'm far more concerned with what will happen in 2024 with uh, Kevin McCarthy or Marjorie Taylor Greene or any of these people making the decisions about the next election. What we should be worried about is not uh, whether they're going to investigate the investigators, uh, which is sort of part of the Trump handbook. But rather, are they going to, again, vote to overturn the election if they lose again? And that, to, to me, is the primary concern we ought to have. And how much of a complication in your mind is it that Donald Trump is now a declared candidate again for the presidency? Uh, look, I, I don't uh, think that it ought to be a um, disqualifying factor or even one that changes the standard for the Department of Justice. They should evaluate the evidence as they would against you or I or anyone else who is accused of an offense. Yeah, uh, but you know, the, but but you minute, but you know, I mean, you know that it's not in an ideal world. Yes, the, uh, justice should be uh, equal for all. That's what this country is supposed to be about. But we also know that in the real world, it sometimes, often, in fact, doesn't work that way, depending on who you are and what your connections are and how much money sometimes you have. And here you have somebody who was president of the United States, who is running again to be president of the United States. You don't really think that the Justice Department is going to view him as just any old person, do you? Uh, no, I don't think they'll view him as any old person, but I would hope uh, and expect, uh, and I spent almost six years in that department, that they will do their jobs. Uh, and if the evidence rises to that level, he will be prosecuted. That was the commitment made by the attorney general. 
I am skeptical, and I have expressed that skepticism about the slow pace of the investigation. Uh, I think if you or I had been on the phone with the Secretary of State in Georgia demanding that he find 11,780 votes that don't exist and suggesting he might be prosecuted if he didn't, uh, we would have been under investigation a long time ago. And and so, yes, I am concerned that the department is um, has been operating uh, with uh, too much caution, too much concern about appearances uh, when the reality is damning and dangerous uh, and uh, and could lead a future president to the conclusion that they can do whatever they want. They can break any law they want because no Department of Justice is going to take them on. Uh, they can always make the claim that it's partisan or it's a witch hunt. Um, that's the that's the end of our republic uh, if we get to the point where presidents have immunity um, and can engage in any abuse of power they wish. Burbank Democratic Congressman Adam Schiff uh, joining us on today's special edition of uh, KNX In-Depth, a historic day. Well, in our last segment, as you heard, uh, we were talking at great length with uh, Congressman Adam Schiff, who was on the congressional uh, panel committee that that uh, voted today to refer uh, four criminal charges to the Justice Department involving former President Donald Trump. Um, but how does this compare to other congressional investigations, for example, like Watergate? Stephen Farnsworth is a professor of political science at the University of Mary Washington in Virginia. He focuses on the mass media and the presidency. Also with us is Richard Painter, who has been with us many times before, was the chief White House Ethics Council under uh, George W. Bush and is currently a law professor at the University of Minnesota. Both of you, welcome to the program. Um, R- Richard, let me start off with uh, you. Uh, I don't know if you had a chance to listen to our discussion uh, with Congressman Schiff, but he was saying that, that he hopes, hopes that the Department of Justice, although he thinks it's been kind of dragging its feet and maybe overly concerned about appearance, he hopes, he says, nonetheless, that they will look at these recommendations, this sort of blueprint, if you will, for prosecution, over a thousand witnesses, 18 months of an investigation, and actually do something. Uh, Do you think they will? I believe the Department of Justice will act, uh, hopefully uh, quite soon. Uh, the Department of Justice has been conducting its own investigation uh, since January 6th and has uh, probably collected information that the January 6th committee did not have. Uh, this is a matter of uh, great urgency for our uh, electoral system and our republic because the Republican Party does need to have an opportunity, a fair shot, uh, at nominating a candidate for president. Uh, who is not uh, guilty of sedition and insurrection. And these are offenses uh, which, if uh, Donald Trump were convicted of uh, or even uh, criminally charged, uh, he could be uh, disqualified from office under the 14th Amendment, Section 3 of the Constitution, uh, which uh, disqualifies from office anyone who has sworn an oath of loyalty to the United States and then who uh, gives uh, aid or comfort to an insurrection against the United States. And uh, I think the Justice Department has had two years. Uh, the uh, committee is on its work. There's a special prosecutor in place. It is now time to charge Donald Trump uh, for that, which he, uh, he did not just on January 6th, but in the month leading up to January 6th, to seek to overturn the election, uh, to pressure the Justice Department to declare the election invalid, 
the uh, plan to uh, even use the military to try to uh, reverse the results of the election, redo the election in several states, uh, and the other crimes committed uh, here. And so we can return to having uh, competitive elections with two parties committed to democracy and each uh, party able to select a candidate uh, who is qualified for office because they support the United States and our uh, system of representative democracy. Okay. Uh, Stephen Farnsworth, uh, Professor Farnsworth, uh, wanted to ask you, there's a different element in what's happening in these events today, and that's the element of violence. We saw violence on January 6th. That's kind of what started this whole uh, committee and the attempts to overturn the election through the use of violence, as it turned out, on that last day. And we have seen some... um, some would consider very violently insightful rhetoric from the former president saying that these, quote, thugs must be dealt with. And also some insightful rhetoric from some other members of uh, Congress on the Republican side. Uh, is there a, a real concern here that if criminal charges are made against the former president, that we will see some political violence in this country? Well, political violence in America can occur when one person with a gun decides to shoot up a school or a synagogue or a place of government action. And so to imagine that anything that anyone does, even uh, in uh, in these very contentious times, uh, is going to prov- provide sweetness and light for all concerned is unrealistic. Uh, the reality is that if a person has committed a crime or is reasonable basis for believing that they did and prosecutors choose to pursue that crime, they should not be deterred by the possibility that there might be some protests. That's not um, that's not justice. That's mob rule. So I think it's really important to recognize that uh, that that concern uh, should not be determinative of, of how the government proceeds. If the case is uh, is made by the January 6th committee evidence coupled with the evidence that the Justice Department has collected on its own points to the need for prosecution prosecution, and it certainly looks from the outside like it's a pretty compelling case to do so, then they should proceed. Let me ask uh, both of you gentlemen, uh, and we'll start uh, with uh, Stephen first and then uh, uh, you, Richard. Uh, This question, you know, we certainly as a country have been through many, many things in our history, uh, and perhaps now it just seems like we've been through a lot more because of mass media and, and social media and things seem to happen at, at a rapid uh, pace so that uh, the news cycle changes, it seems, like every 10 seconds or so. That being said, um, Professor Farnsworth, you first. Can you put into context for our listeners where this event, I don't mean the, the insurrection necessarily, but the insurrection and now it's, its ultimate, at least congressional conclusion, which is the referral to the DOJ, where does this fit in to the greater tapestry that is America? Well, this really is an unprecedented development. I mean, we're talking about a, a, a violent effort to make sure that the candidate who won the election, Joe Biden, was not permitted to be ratified by Congress. Uh, it, it cuts to the core, the peaceful transfer of power of who we are as a people. And so if you compare this even to uh, the Civil War, uh, the, the Confederates were not arguing that Lincoln was not legitimately elected. Uh, they were arguing that they didn't want to be a part of a country that he was running. Um, and so this really is unprecedented. What Donald Trump has done, as uh, Congresswoman Cheney made so clear today, uh, was really above and beyond beyond anything uh, that a president has ever done to block the peaceful transfer of power across the entire history of this country. 
Richard Painter? Well, this is the first time in the history of the United States we've had a president seek to retain power uh, by declaring an election invalid, pressuring the Justice Department to declare an election invalid, threatening to send in the military, uh, scheming uh, in the White House uh, to do that, and then inciting a crowd uh, to invade the Capitol uh, to seek to retain power through violence. Uh, the first time in the United States, yes, but this has been done before in many Latin American countries where elected leaders have decided they wanted to stay in power uh, through self-coup, auto-golfing. It's happening in uh, South Korea and many countries. And indeed, this is what happened in 1933 in Germany when the newly uh, appointed chancellor, Adolf Hitler, uh, orchestrated a self-coup in order to keep himself in power. Uh, and uh, we know where that led. Uh, this is extremely dangerous for representative democracy. We cannot tolerate elected <laughs> leaders who engage in self-coup. Uh, who uh, uh, This is sedition. It is clearly a criminal act, a serious criminal act. And after the Civil War, uh, we uh, put in the Constitution the 14th Amendment, Section 3, which prohibits anyone who gives aid or comfort to insurrection disqualifies them from public office. And that is exactly where we are with Donald Trump. Okay, Richard, you're going to stay with us a little bit longer. Stephen, I think you have to go. So I want to thank you for taking part in this uh, program that uh, was Stephen Farnsworth, who is a professor of political science at the University of Mary Washington in Virginia. Thank you very much. Uh, Richard, again, back to you. Uh, Besides the referrals involving uh, former President Trump, as you also know, there were referrals made about several congresspeople, including Kevin McCarthy, who hopes to become Speaker of the the House of Representatives with the new year and the new term of Congress, uh, recommendations uh, because uh, of their refusal to answer uh, subpoenas, among other things. So they were referred to the Ethics Committee. How symbolic, though, is that really? Because the Ethics Committee's composition will be totally different, as you know, in just a couple of weeks. Well, this is a problem that ethics rules in the House of Representatives and the Senate uh, are not enforced by any outside body, only by the uh, members themselves. And so uh, the party that controls the House and Senate has a lot of say over how those complaints are are dealt with. Clearly, uh, Ken McCarthy should have complied with the subpoenas, uh, and he is not uh, fulfilling his obligation to the House of Representatives when he refuses to provide information to the committee that the committee needs to do its job. Now, this is different, of course, from a criminal referral uh, that we had uh, with respect to President Trump and certain others who engaged in the crime of sedition uh, and insurrection or various other crimes. But it should be taken seriously. And I would hope that um, uh, Congressman McCarthy and others would cooperate uh, with the committee. The Department of Justice may very well uh, seek evidence uh, from members of the House in the coming uh, weeks, coming months. And I would hope that they would not obstruct justice in a DOJ investigation. They could get themselves into trouble under the criminal law were they to do that. Uh, Mr. Painter, let me ask you a what-if question, a hypothetical. Uh, let's say we weren't talking about Donald Trump. We were talking about uh, any other person who was uh, president. What if uh, 
these allegations of which we know are false. What if these allegations of a rigged stolen election uh, actually were true? What would be the course to be pursued by a president who wanted to keep this above board and according to the law? The course of action uh, for challenging an election is to go to court. And that's exactly what happened the year 2000 uh, with the Bush versus Gore election. Uh, And uh, President Bush won that election by 400 votes in the state of Florida. Uh, Al Gore's team was convinced uh, that Al Gore actually won Florida and that there ought to be a recount. And uh, that matter was litigated in the Florida courts and then taken to the United States Supreme Court. Uh, there are many Democrats who strongly disagreed with the 5-4 decision in Bush versus Gore, where the Supreme Court decided that it was time to stop the recounts in Florida and overturn the decisions of the Florida courts to have more recounts. But the, the Democrats accepted the results, and Al Gore certified the election of George W. Bush as president of the United States, Al Gore the vice president of the United States presided over the count of the electoral votes, just as Mike Pence did in 20 uh, in, in January 2021. Uh, and that's how it's handled. I mean, we go to the court to challenge uh, an election result that we think is is wrong. We don't go to the streets. We don't turn uh, for, to the United States Army to threaten to send the military to Pennsylvania, to Georgia to redo elections. We don't ask the Justice Department for an opinion declaring the election invalid. We go to court, and, and Donald Trump also and his team went to court, and they just got thrown out because they just had zero evidence. This was not a Bush versus Gore. This is not a 400-vote uh, spread in a single state with hanging chads. This is a blowout victory for Joe Biden, and whether you voted for him or not, that's who won the election. You know, Richard, when um, you and Rob and I, I dare say, were were growing up, it seemed, and maybe we were just younger and naive, I don't know, it seemed like elections were not all that controversial. People won them and other people lost them. And unless it was extremely close, uh, everybody accepted the results and people moved on. It, It does seem as if we're living in a somewhat different universe now. And I'm wondering... If you think we are ever going to, and I know ever is a long time, so maybe I'll modify that within our lifetimes, get back to that sort of scenario. Well, certainly there was a lot of controversy, a great deal of controversy over Bush versus Gore in in, in 2000, and uh, still great about a debate about whether the United States Supreme Court did the right thing. Uh, But uh, still, uh, people accepted the result. Uh, no one was uh, rioting. No one was invading the Capitol uh, and uh, threatening to hang the vice president for not declaring himself the winner of an election. The Supreme Court had said he basically, the Supreme Court had said that he lost, as I say, once again, by water votes in Florida. Uh, but, you know, we, we did not resolve it through violence. The 1960 election was very close, Nixon versus um, uh, Kennedy. And, you know, there was some evidence that the mob may have helped deliver Illinois to Kennedy. I mean, the Nixon people also might have had a grudge, uh, but they didn't even go to court. Richard Nixon conceded the race, I believe, the very next day uh, to uh, then-Senator Kennedy. Uh, okay, but we're gonna, we're, Richard, yeah. I, I hate to interrupt, but we are going to run out of time. So, so my, my central question to you is, do you think in our lifetimes we're going to get back to— a scenario where people will have elections 
and the winners will win, the losers will lose, and everybody will go about their business. Yes, I believe we can go back to the, to the days of Nixon versus Kennedy and Bush versus Gore. And we will have close elections, and we do every few decades. We have close elections. Uh, but we need to accept the results of a close election, just like we accept the results of a close Super Bowl. We don't argue about who won last year's Super Bowl. We right. focus on this year's game. Still fighting over it. Uh, Richard Painter, uh, Chief Winehouse Ethics Counsel under George W. Bush, current law professor at the University of Minnesota. This is KNX In-Depth, along with Rob Archer. I'm Charles Feldman. Well, the new sheriff in town's hardly new at all to Southern California. L.A. County Sheriff Robert Luna, just two weeks into his job, what spent decades with Long Beach Police Department, including seven, as chief from 2014 to 2021. He takes over the L.A. County Sheriff's Department at a time when crime has been ticking upward and the homeless crisis is still very far from being solved and then there's having to make nice with the board of supervisors and the oversight commission following all those conflicts with former sheriff alex villanueva with us now to share his plans moving forward is new la county sheriff robert luna sheriff thank you for being on in-depth robin charles thank you for having me and you make my uh, new job sound really easy Oh, okay. <laughs> Good. <laughs> In that case. Uh, but we all know that it's not an easy job. Uh, and uh, you've got a lot of stuff on your plate, a lot of stuff ahead. And, and let's begin with uh, how do you feel your relationship is and will be with the Board of Supervisors and the Oversight Commission? Well, one of my first uh, priorities uh, of many that I have is uh, to come in and rebuild uh, some of the fractured relationships that unfortunately uh, exist. And I'm off to a good start. Uh, Even uh, the minute I was elected, I had conversations with each of the supervisors, including uh, Supervisor Horvath, who was just elected, and uh, very good, upbeat conversations talking about collaboration, uh, talking about uh, some of the deficiencies that they felt existed before. And we're, you know, we're trying not to look in the rearview mirror at this point. We're looking straight ahead and trying to figure out how we're going to work together to benefit the residents of L.A. County. You ran on, and, and some might say that you won on the promise that you were going to be different than uh, Mr. Villanueva, that you were going to have a good relationship with the Oversight Commission and with the Board of Supervisors, and, and you already appear to have taken steps in that direction. But let me ask you the other side of the question. What are some things that uh, Mr. Villanueva did that you feel are were right and you're going to continue? Uh, you know, I have... Uh so much respect for anybody who's ever campaigned uh, for any elected position, uh, specifically one being held here as the sheriff of Los Angeles County. Um, So uh, like with everything else, right? Uh, People do some good things and they do some things that aren't so good. That's each and every one of us. Uh, Coming into the department, uh, I'm finding uh, a lot of talent here. Uh, a lot of people who aren't afraid to see a problem uh, and do some problem solving. Uh, and and one thing that I talked about in a press conference I had last week, uh, you guys hear about this significant issue or challenge with fentanyl. 
uh, and I'm finding out that this uh, department was very innovative. Uh, some of the people uh, that work here saw a problem and grabbed it, and uh, they're going out doing investigations on individuals who have overdosed on uh, either methamphetamine or fentanyl or any really any other drug. And then they're doing follow-up investigations. And uh, if all the foundation uh, elements of the crime are there, we're gonna pursue, pursue murder charges for these individuals who are poisoning people in our community, including the most vulnerable uh, in our homeless population. You know, I'm curious when I, uh, I, I just say I moved out here from uh, New York in 94. And so I, I've gotten to know a number of, of your uh, predecessors. And there always seems to be, or often is, I should say, uh, issues that evolve as time goes by with whomever it is who is in your position now as sheriff of L.A. County. And I'm wondering if you've given any thought to that and have wondered why. Oh, of course. Uh, when I considered uh, running or campaigning for this job, um, looking at the history, uh, specifically like going back to Sherman Block when I was a young police officer in Long Beach, uh, successes and failure uh, to Lee Baca, uh, to Jim McDonald, uh, to uh, Alex Villanueva, my predecessor. And there's lessons to be learned, good and bad for each uh, individual. And that's what we try and do, right? You try and not make uh, the same mistakes. And then you look for successes that each of them had uh, and see if they do work in 2022. They may not. Law enforcement has evolved a whole lot. And now that we're going into 2023, uh, we really got to pay attention to what's going on out there across our nation uh, and really look at other sheriffs and other police executives and how can we best serve uh, our community here in Los Angeles County. We're talking with LA County Sheriff uh, Robert Luna. We will continue that discussion when KNX In-Depth continues. And we are continuing our discussion now with LA County, the new LA County Sheriff Robert Luna. Uh, Sheriff, let's talk gangs. Uh, that has been a it's seemingly perennial issue when it comes to the uh, Los Angeles County Sheriff's Department. And I'm wondering what you know about that, what you've been told about that, and more importantly, I suppose, what you intend to do about that. Yeah, absolutely. I made it clear uh, during the campaign, uh, and even as I, I'm coming into this, what, what I consider to be one of the best departments in the, in the country, if not the world, uh, that deputy gangs are, are unacceptable. Uh, I acknowledge the fact uh, that there's history very well-documented history of some challenges uh, in that area. And uh, my objective uh, with, uh, with not only members of this department, but uh, with the Inspector General, uh, with State DOJ and other partners is to change the culture, uh, hold those individuals uh, that are partaking in that type of activity and their supervisors accountable. Uh, I always I said from the very beginning that I would invite any agency uh, that was willing to help us uh, root out this problem from federal DOJ to state DOJ uh, to help us solve this problem uh, once and for all. Um, for me, uh, I believe in following the law. Uh, I believe in cooperating with oversight. Uh, I've already had uh, my first meeting 
uh, with the inspector general uh, that uh, we have happily let back into this building or he wasn't allowed uh, to be in this building anymore. And we're going through the process of, of how uh, I can help him, how we can help him, and how, can we, how we can help each other. I'm curious. Uh, Let me interrupt because I'm curious about something, Uh, because the way you just described your interactions thus far with uh, Inspector, with all these oversight uh, folks, it sounds so normal and so just routine that Mm -hmm. I can't help wondering if you have given any thought to why your predecessor was so resistant to it. Uh, You know, I've. During the campaign, obviously, I paid a whole lot of attention uh, to what was going on, uh, and uh, I did not like or appreciate the drama. Uh, we don't need that. There is, uh, you guys started, uh, both Rob and Charles, you started off your, your segment here talking about the challenges that we face uh, as the Los Angeles County Sheriff's Department. We need to focus on crime. We need to focus on homelessness. We can't do any of that if we don't have public trust. And uh, in order to have that public trust that, by the way, each of our employees has to earn every day, uh, we have to cooperate with oversight. Uh, We have to be able to work with uh, the inspector general uh, that the board of supervisors have put here for a reason. Uh, That is uh, how we're going to do it from here on out. I'm, I'm going to, you don't ignore history, but you put it in the rear view mirror and now I'm focused looking forward. I, I will continue to say that. That's the way we're going to operate from here on out. And and looking in that rear view mirror, I want to look back to the uh, protests in 2020, uh, the uh, George Floyd protests. And there were some journalists and reporters who felt that uh, Sheriff's Department personnel were, were targeting them, were were taking action to kind of suppress the reporting of events. There was a, the one reporter who uh, felt that she was targeted because she was covering the story about what might have been the cover-up of the mistreatment of a prisoner. Uh, looking into that rear view mirror, what are you going to do going forward to uh, kind of buttress your relationship with uh, with the press and with journalists and with reporters who might have to cover some events that happen inside the sheriff's department. Yeah, that even though it's in the rearview mirror, again, you you uh, you don't ignore history because you end up repeating it. And uh, when we talk about public trust, uh, for all of you who I consider to be my partners in the media, we have to have. A good relationship with you. That means that we are as transparent as the law will allow us to. That means that we give you access uh, whenever we can uh, and be on the same team. Because at the end of the day, right, it's our jobs to keep our community informed. uh, Because when they're informed, they make better decisions. Uh, And then at the end of the day, we get that support that we're looking for to be more effective uh, at you know, reducing crime and all the other important jobs that we have to do. At least that's my perspective. And uh, that's one of the focuses that we have is to build a relationship with all of you. Well, I, and, and I, I do understand and appreciate the spirit in which you, you say that. Uh, but I do have to also point out, of course, that we're not really 
uh, and you've been around long enough. I think you you know that we're not really in the media on on your team, nor should we be. I mean, our role, your role, is to do law enforcement. Our role in media, in news, is to hold everybody accountable to make sure they're doing the jobs that the taxpayers are are, are paying for. But I do get the meaning uh, in what you were were saying. But that said, uh, how do you intend to handle? Going forward, those times, and trust me, Sheriff, they will arise when there's going to be friction between the news media representing the public and your folks representing law enforcement. It's going to happen. Of course it's going to happen. It's not if, it's when. And what I'm describing to you is a spirit of uh, cooperation. Um, And I want you guys, you have to hold us accountable for the job. But for us, it's building, you still have to build relationships and trying uh, to understand what your role is, training our people to the best of our capabilities so that when they are reporting, uh, people understand that you have to do your job, we have to do ours. And there is a way that we can both do it and be successful. Uh, but there is going to be that conflict And I expect to have open lines of communication uh, so when these things happen that we can kind of work towards a solution. Uh, But we know there's going to be challenges and uh, we'll look forward to that day. And uh, and I look forward to being able to work those out is what I mean specifically. Yes. And and, and by the way, the next time, hopefully uh, your time permitting, we'd love to have you in the studio and we'll sit down. We'll have an even longer discussion. I would love to. Uh, absolutely. I really appreciate both of you having uh, us on. And I look forward to building a relationship with you guys. And uh, I, I love your work. I listen to you guys and uh, keep up the good work. A, a person of good Thanks. taste. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, New L.A. County Sheriff uh, Robert Luna joining us on today's very uh, special edition of yes. uh, k in Depth. And uh, we will do this again tomorrow. And who knows what some of the subjects may be as news breaks. And sometimes everything can change on a dime.